We'll be in 2 Peter chapter 1, starting at verse 12, and thinking about the text, it makes me think of, think of a story I had tried to make do with what we had inherited in the move. However, between a, a neighbor's visiting relative's accidental reverse collision, as well as the in-ground portion of the petite metal post having rusted through, Regardless of how I tried to prop it up, our poor, poor, pitiful mailbox post's function was past the point of no return. And so the kids and I, we picked out a a new mailbox and post as part of Kim's Christmas present. This was a couple of years ago. And so Clark and I, we seated and secured the shiny new mailbox to the substantial wooden post. And it was now time for the hole. And so I called Miss Utility of Virginia before I began to dig, right? And I would need a much wider, deeper hole. One which would allow for a post that, using scriptural language, a post which would be immutable, unmoving, unchanging. You like that? Hence, I would need a post hole digger. Well, I didn't have one. So I thought to myself, who might have one at church? And then it hit me, Alan Shrewsbury. I texted Alan, and Alan let me borrow it. And that afternoon after work, off I went to dig. And that post hole digger, that really... That really is a pretty sweet piece of equipment. The hole was a perfect width and depth. And the box in the post, once placed, was encircled with fast-acting concrete. Many of you have done this. You know what I'm talking about. And it's standing, and it's level, and it's at regulation height. I was so proud that I sent Alan a picture of my work, (laughs) the before and the after, and, and Alan sent me a thumbs up. Unlike the former frail, flimsy one which had seen better days, this mailbox, it's firm, it's not going anywhere. It's established, it's not going to move. Few things in life are fixed, aren't they? And we're going to hear some words in the letter of Second Peter chapter 1 this morning, words which point to something established, steadfast, something which is not going anywhere. Peter begins in verse 12 this morning. He says, Therefore I will always be ready to remind you of these things. Even though you already know them, and have been established in the truth which is present with you. Peter is always ready to remind the disciple, the the learner, the pupil. The disciple then in first century and disciples now, disciples down through the ages and disciples here in 2021, Peter is ready to remind us. And we are disciples, we're learners, we're pupils, we are ones who are following close behind Jesus. 
And Peter is ready to give a reminder, and he says, of, the, of these things, of what things? Of all we've seen in these last few verses, right there in, in 2 Peter chapter 1, you can, you can scroll up those first few verses, uh, these magnificent and precious promises, the gift of salvation, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the true knowledge of Jesus Christ, and access to his divine nature. Do you see that? Nature which is made manifest by obedience to character qualities. And then Peter named them a few verses ago. He said moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, love. And he told us last time, if, if these qualities are yours, if you exist under them and if these qualities, are, if they're increasing, if you continue to grow under them, they do not make you useless or unproductive. They're not going to kill you. They will actually help you. <laughs> they will not make you unproductive. And last time, in the last verse uh, before today, in verse 11, Peter says, In this way, for in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly supplied to you. And Peter is ready to give reminders of all the aforementioned. He, 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 he says, even though you and me, the listeners, we know them, we've been established in the truth, fixed, firm, in the foundation of the truth, the truth of the gospel, the truth of the gift of salvation, truth which is present with you because of the gift of the Holy Spirit, it's fixed. Like the mailbox, it's, it's fixed. It's not going anywhere. Verse 13, Peter says, I consider it right as long as I am in this earthly dwelling to stir you up by way of reminder. Knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent as also our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. It's curious language. And Peter says, And I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure, you will be able to call these things to mind. Peter wants to make the most of his remaining time to remind the church of the realities of these truths. And this is not just the church in, in first century but the church now, the church down through the ages, the church in 2021 and beyond. And Peter uses very curious language. He says, the laying aside of his earthly dwelling, he says, the laying aside of his earthly dwelling is imminent. What's he saying? His time on, on and this life is drawing nigh. And then he makes this statement, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. Do you remember a final recorded conversation which Peter had with Jesus? It's in the last chapter of John, John chapter 21. It's after the resurrection, and, and Peter and the others are fishing early one morning. And Jesus shows up on the beach. And Jesus has a fire going. And Jesus is fixing them breakfast. And after breakfast, Jesus has that famous conversation with Peter. And Jesus asks that question 
that famous question three times to Peter, do you love me? Asks that three times. And Peter says, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And that final time he says, you know that I do, Lord. Jesus is, in effect, recommissioning Peter back to the ministry to love the church and to lead the church following Peter's denial before the crucifixion. Jesus is reinstating Peter. And Jesus tells Peter, he says, tend my lambs, shepherd my sheep. Tend my sheep. And then in John chapter 20, verse 18, Jesus says to Peter, truly, truly, I tell you, So when Jesus, the incarnate word, the living Son of God, says the word truly, truly, that you you listen up. Truly, truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to put on your belt and walk wherever you walked, wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will put your belt onto you and bring you where you do not want to go. And John says that Jesus said this, indicating by what kind of death Peter would glorify God. And, and when Jesus had said this, he says to Peter, follow me. Christian tradition and history you know, point out to some possibilities of what happened to Peter. But this is, this is all we know is what Jesus said to Peter. And Jesus is pointing to Peter's departure. Peter has mentioned his leaving of his earthly dwelling, about his departure. There in verse 13 and 14, in the original language, this term for earthly dwelling means a pitched tent. I don't know if any one of you men out there ever camped as Boy Scouts, but when you pitch a tent and along comes a hurricane, that that tent is temporary. (laughs) It is not steadfast. That tent is temporary. It's a temporary dwelling. And matter of fact, another word it can be read as is tabernacle. So Peter has something on his mind, and and we've seen this picture of earthly dwellings, of, of tabernacles and departure before. In fact, Peter witnessed it firsthand. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus takes Peter and James and John up to a mountain to pray. And, and while Jesus is praying, Luke tells us the appearance of his face becomes different. And his clothing becomes white and gleaming. And really, this is a preview of how Jesus is going to look in eternity. And what happens, Luke says, behold, two men were talking with Jesus. And they were Moses and Elijah, who appearing in glory were speaking of Jesus' departure. That's Luke chapter 9, verse 31. Appearing in glory, Moses and Elijah were speaking of Jesus' departure, which Jesus was about to accomplish 
at Jerusalem. That's curious language. All this is going on. They're having a conversation. Peter and, and, and James and John, they see the glory manifested before them and the two men who were standing with Jesus. And just as Moses and Elijah are leaving Jesus, Peter, Peter is a project manager par excellence. He is a program director. And Peter says to Jesus, Master, it's good that we are here. We've come to save the day. It's good that we are here, and let's make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. You know, Peter is on it. And as he's saying this, a cloud forms overhead and begins to overshadow them. And they're afraid as they enter this cloud, and this voice comes from the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one, listen to him. In Matthew's account of this story on the Mount of Transfiguration, we read that, that while, while Peter is speaking, this cloud overshadows them, and the voice says, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Moses and Elijah we're speaking with Jesus about Jesus' departure, which would be accomplished in Jerusalem. Peter has this on his mind. This departure, and the New Testament word for departure is pronounced like this, exodus, where we... we have heard and used the term mass exodus from the movie theater. The exodus from Egypt, the exit, the departure, also meaning death. This exit, exodus, departure, death of Jesus accomplished at Jerusalem on the cross would be a sacrifice which would satisfy the sin debt of all mankind should mankind choose to trust it. And this satisfaction, this paying of the sin debt, would please the debt. This would be well-pleasing to a holy God. This atoning sacrifice is fixed, it is sure, it is established, and it is not going anywhere. Wow. Peter says in verse 16, we didn't follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We weren't following tall tales, and, and actually the word for tales is where we get the term myth, mythos. We weren't following tall tales and, and myths when we made you aware of both the dynamic power, the resurrection power, and the second coming of Jesus Christ our Lord. We were eyewitnesses 
of his majesty, his glorious splendor. Where? On the Mount of Transfiguration. And Peter goes on, he says, For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, such a declaration as this was made to him by the majestic glory, made to the Son by the Father. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. There it is again. Peter says, And we ourselves heard this declaration made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. The Father pleased with the Son. Where else have we seen this besides the Mount of Transfiguration? Jesus had arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, and he's coming to John the Baptist to be baptized. John knows who Jesus is, and he, he's, oh, you don't need to be baptized by me. I need to be baptized by you. And Jesus says, no, you need to baptize me because this will fulfill all righteousness. And, and, and what, what Jesus is saying is, I have come to pay the sin debt of all mankind, and I'm going to be an offering, and I've got to be prepared. I've got to be set aside and this baptism will start that process. So to fulfill all righteousness, I need you to baptize me. To be obedient. So after Jesus is baptized, he comes up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens are opened. And John sees the Spirit of God descending as a dove and settling on Jesus. And behold, a voice from the heavens says, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. As John the Baptist was an eyewitness to the presence of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, <laughs> Peter tells us in, in verse 16, We didn't follow these myths, these tales, when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And we ourselves, as I've told you before, anytime you see in Scripture, I myself, or we ourselves, that gives, us, that gives emphasis. We ourselves heard this declaration made from heaven. We were there with Jesus. And in the same way, Peter and James and John were eyewitnesses as John was, Peter, James, and John are eyewitnesses as well. And all have heard the Father expressing his pleasure with the Son's obedience. And Peter makes this clear distinction between that of a mere myth and the eyewitness at the transfiguration. These events, they are fixed, they are established, and they are not going anywhere. And Peter says in verse 19, And so we have the prophetic word made more sure, to which you do, do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. We have the prophetic word made more sure. It's confirmed beyond doubt. 
all to whom prophets pointed throughout the entire Old Testament has been fully realized in Jesus. And the word is fixed. It's not going anywhere. And what does Peter say? <laughs> you would do well to pay attention. Mm. Peter says, just like you would pay attention to a lamp shining in a dark room. You know, it's, it's hard to walk around the house at night in the dark, isn't it? When the, when the kids were small and, and you know, you know we'd, we'd do cleanup, but invariably there was always the possibility of, of stepping on a, on a stray Lego block, Whew, ouch, or a, a matchbox car, yeah, you take a ride on one of those, or a Barbie accessory. Those little hairbrushes, about yay big, big as your thumb, hard plastic. They're pink and hard plastic, and they hurt. Or if you catch your little toe on that bedpost in the dark, you know, it, it hurts so bad that it makes you want to, quote, unquote, teach your Sunday school lesson, <laughs> and maybe twice. We, we need a light in the darkness, don't we? And Peter says here in verse 20, he says, but know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture becomes a matter of someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was, was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. And what does one say about prophecy in Scripture? Well, as we've read in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, all Scripture is inspired by God. In some of your translations, they read God-breathed. And they're, they're beneficial for training and, and teaching, for teaching and rebuke to call us out when we're wrong, to correct us, to train us in righteousness, so that the man and woman of God may be fully capable, equipped for every good work. The Word of God is sufficient. This image of God breathed. On the evening of that very first Easter, in John chapter 20, the disciples, they're together, and Jesus comes and stands in their midst and says to them, Peace be with you. And he says this and he shows them his hands and his side and the disciples, they rejoice when they see the Lord. And, and then Jesus says to them again, peace be with you, just as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And he says this and then he breathes on them. And he says to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit of God, there's a lot we don't understand about the spiritual realm. And prophecies deal with the spiritual realm. John chapter 14. During the Last Supper, Jesus speaks on the Holy Spirit, and he says in 14, verse 16, I will ask the Father, he will give you another helper, so that he will be with you forever. And the helper is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him, but you know him, because he remains with you and will be in you. And these things I've spoken to you while remaining in you. 
with you. And in verse 26 of chapter 14, Jesus says, The helper of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Remind you of all that I said to you. You go all the way to the end of John chapter 15. Jesus says, when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, namely the Spirit of truth who comes from the Father, he will testify about me. In John chapter 16, verse 5, Jesus says, I'm going to him who sent me. I'm going to the Father. If I don't leave, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, the Spirit will convict the world regarding sin and righteousness and judgment. When he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. In verse 13, he will not speak on his own. Whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. In John chapter 16, verse 14, Jesus says of the Holy Spirit, He will glorify me, for he will take from mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. This is why I said that he takes from mine and will disclose it to you. There's a lot we don't understand about the spiritual realm. And all we can depend on is what we see in God's word. And the purposes of the Holy Spirit, what are they? It's a, he, he, the Spirit is a teacher of truth. The Holy Spirit doesn't leave. The Holy Spirit reminds us of all that Jesus, the Word of God, says. The Holy Spirit has come to convict the world regarding sin and righteousness and judgment. The Holy Spirit will not speak on His own. The Holy Spirit will glorify the Son just as the Son glorifies the Father. And this applies to prophets and prophecies. If it's the Holy Spirit at work, his actions will be consistent with what we've seen throughout Scripture. There's a lot of quote-unquote prophets out there. There's a lot of quote-unquote prophecies out there. And if it's truly the Holy Spirit at work, his actions will be consistent with what we see in Scripture. Period. Consistent with the Word, consistent with Jesus, the living Word. It's not a tall tale, but the Word of God. The word is fixed, it is established, and it's not going anywhere. It's not, a, it's not a temporary tent which will depart. We need a light to walk in the darkness. But there's going to come a time when the darkness is gone. When the day will dawn and the morning will come and it's not going anywhere. And Jesus, the one to whom Malachi referred to as the Son, S-U-N, the Son of Righteousness. Jesus, who describes himself in the very last book and the very last chapter of the Bible as the root, the descendant, the Son of David, the bright and morning star. As Peter said in verse 19 this morning, this morning star will arise. We heard Peter speak of the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
the power and glory which will be made manifest at his second coming. This is the same as the power of the cross which defeated sin and death and hell. And this power seen in the death, the departure, the exodus of Jesus on the cross. This power would result in the resurrection of Jesus. And this morning star will arise in the hearts of those who have trusted in the power of the cross. Those who have come to the realization that Jesus, the bright and morning star, he came to deal with sin in order to bring forgiveness and eternal life. Mm. Let's pray together. Lord, in these moments, we've seen a few verses that in a, in a, of a chapter of a book which is not read often by the church. In 2 Peter, this letter, we see foundations of our faith. We see foundational promises which Jesus makes claims to his divinity, claims to what he did for us on the cross. Peter, as an eyewitness, points us to these, these truths in which we can trust. Lord, we're thankful that we're able to be able to have a faith that can rest on these promises, rest on this word. Lord, we're thankful for Jesus this morning. We're thankful for the, for the salvation which he offers us. It's in his name we pray. Amen.